0: I'd like to give a special um, welcome today to my parents, Dave and Chris, who are here. Yeah, you can wave. Everyone wave. Yeah, good. I thought in honor of you guys being in here today and uh, in, in, uh, in line with what we've been talking about, uh, today some of the, the teaching on love has to do with uh, banquets, and food, and meals, and celebration, and I, I was, um, thought I'd tell a little bit of a story about my my dad's family who would get together every Christmas. We, we are Swedes. Yeah, we're from Sweden. We have all the, the Swedish trappings at these, these gatherings where there's 50 or 60 now folks that get together and have celebration, and, you know, there's the meatballs, and then there's the... Um, then there's the, uh, the lingonberries and all sorts of things that a kid looks at and sort of turns their nose up to. And I remember there's always this weird dish. It kind of looked like worms in some sort of gray liquid. So I'm not sure what that was, but I never tried it. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I, I had this, uh, in our family, uh, we had this kind of patriarch of sorts. Uncle Bill was my dad's father, Uncle, uh, Uncle Bill. And uh, he was, uh, before he passed, uh, he was sort of the life of these parties and would tell jokes all the time. And my favorite joke of his for, how many people here have Swedish heritage? Any, any, am I alone here? Okay, I could, okay. A few, a few folks aren't here, maybe. A couple. Yeah, okay. So this is my favorite Swedish joke that he told. 10,000 Swedes running through the weeds, chased by one Norwegian. We're a peaceable lot. We don't don't like fighting. So, Swedish people, here we are. Uh, So welcome, guys. And I was going to show some pictures of these these, uh, get-togethers, and maybe some of you did as a a child, but I I thought that wiser against that. So Um, so when, when we talk about love, we've been in this series on love. For a few weeks now, and uh, if you missed the first couple, don't worry. The podcasts are up on the website. You can go and click on the messages link on the website and catch up. Uh, we've been talking about love, and as as we get into more about the nature of love, we've kind of been talking about imposters to love, things that pose as love but aren't quite love, and uh, today we're going to turn the corner a bit uh, in the middle of the message into the, the nature of love. But as we do so, we have to think um, through some some metaphors that help us get there, because as I'm learning, uh, this love is not quite an easy thing to teach on. Uh, it's 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 not it's difficult to get at the the nature of true pure pure love. And and banquets are a perfect metaphor for um, for love as as we pour out our our. Uh, love uh, to one another as we eat together, as we, um, as we cook, as we, uh, as we fellowship. And, and I, I was thinking of Jesus' parables. He talks a lot about, about banquets, and he talks about this one. He says, one of the dinner, dinner guests at a banquet on hearing Jesus said to him, Blessed is anyone who eats bread in the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, Okay, let me tell you a story. Someone had a party and invited many guests. And it was the time for the dinner. He sent his slaves to all of those who'd been invited to the party, saying, It's time to gather together. And so the slave went around and and invited all of the, the guests, but they began to make excuses. The first said to him, Oh, I've bought a piece of land and I'm going to go out and see it now. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to go test them out to see how they work. Another said, I've just gotten married, and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to his master, and that the person who was throwing the party was a bit angry and said to the slave, Go out into the streets at once, to the lanes of the towns, and invite the poor, the cripple, and the lame, and the blind. And the slave said, Okay, what you said shall be done. But now I've done this and there's still room. And the master said to the slave, Then go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be fulfilled, or my house may be filled up. For I tell you that none of those who are invited will taste my dinner. And everyone's left listening to Jesus going, Okay whatever. What does that mean? And, and his followers who, who really wanted to know would, would learn to come to Jesus and, and say, alright, we heard, we heard your story. It was a good story. What did, that, what did that mean? And if you study this parable and you kind of take it apart and, and you really take it in, you realize there's part of it that's about loving God with our whole heart, our whole soul and mind. God, God wants us to love him, but sometimes we love him with an imperfect love, which is we, ha- we, we want some rewards or we have some interests. We want to Love God and have the farm, and we want to love God and have the wife. We want to love God and have, um, and have something in return. And so we get to this. We get we get to this teaching where we realize that rewards and property and all that comes along with the good things in life are somehow can somehow get muddled up with love. And of course, we've been talking about the past couple weeks, the um, great Shema, the great. Uh, reflection of Moses at the end of his life. He's talking about uh, uh, reflecting on the life, reflecting on the, the great long journey with God that they've made, and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord with your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. It's all summed up, says Moses, in love. But as we realize, love is, can sometimes get mixed up with the things that we want in return. Mixed up with all sorts of things. And so basically, I, I want to do this little exercise, if you'll follow me in it right now, and go through about six different verses and kind of begin adding together all of what we learn from the verses, from the, from the whole of the Scriptures, to talk about this nature of this selfless love that sometimes is so hard to, to acquire. So first, we, we, we hear Moses at the beginning of, of this journey uh, of, through the Scriptures, talking about love. And you get the point here at the bottom, loving God, he he wants us to love God, and it's something that will require all of our devotion. It's not not easy, something that's going to take all of our soul and all of our heart and all of our might. So we'll hold that in mind here. Leviticus, another teaching from Moses, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And then we get this point that loving God is something that will require all of our devotion and add that up. Then we love our neighbor. We love those around us. And when we do so, we're undoing hostilities. We're not re- seeking revenge or bearing a grudge. Love, love is not, not, doesn't do those things. Okay, now, now we get into the New Testament. And Jesus says, the greatest, they, they said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment in all of the Old Testament? And he, and he pulls these two verses that I just showed you together. He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And so we get the point that loving God takes all of our devotion, has something to do with undoing hostilities, and sanctioned by Jesus, Jesus says, this is it. If you want to know what love is, it's this. But then he goes on, and, and we get a little more. And John, he says to his disciples as they were sitting around saying, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You should love one another. And the careful reader, the one who's been reading all along in the scriptures, should say, You're telling us to love each other, Jesus. What's so new about that? God's been telling us that for thousands of years. So we see that added to our bullet points, there's this newness of Jesus' command. It's, It's his kind of love. Love one another as I have loved you. So there's something that Jesus does that shows us just a little more about what this selfless love looks like. And then, of course, he gives this great verse. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And so added to all these things, we get the, the awareness that this is a sacrificial love for each other and for enemies. Jesus died not just for his friends, but for those who, was, who were against him. And, and finally, this great prayer that Jesus prays at the end of his ministry. I have made known your name to them, he's praying to God. And I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. And the final bullet point here is that the love that he wants inside of us is this perfect fatherly kind of love. It's the love that God loves Jesus with. That's what's being formed in us. So you get this this full picture here that love is sanctioned by Jesus, the type of love that he he wants us to have, the perfect father's love, is being shaped in us. This is sacrificial love, first understood by Jesus' ancestors as a love that undoes hostility and will require all of your devotion. So I put all that together to help us to realize this, is, this type of pure, selfless love doesn't just come easy. It doesn't just come um, naturally. It's something that is difficult and something that oftentimes uh, we, we, we miss. And, and, and when we think about this parable that Jesus told about the banquet, we realize that what true love is, is true love is being, being fulfilled by being a servant, True love at a banquet is delighting at watching other people feast upon the food that you've prepared for them. And it's not, it doesn't have to do with us being at the feast. And it's no wonder that, that when Moses had to say, this type of love you have to use all of your soul and mind and strength. It's no wonder because um, this perfect type of love is rid of sin. It's rid of imperfections. Um, different from the delusions that we often think of when we think of imperfect love. So if I had to sort of kind of unpack this a little bit, uh, there's a few words that, that um, come along with my final, and this is, this is the last time I'm going to do this, but for the next little bit, I'm going to try to describe one last time what this selfless, imperfect love looks like that God is trying to shape out of us. And a few of these words kind of kind of come up. So think about worth, for example. Um, what happens with, with imperfect love? We, we see a beautiful person walking down the street And we kind of maybe start to desire them. Or worse, we pursue them and maybe try to help. uh, uh, If we catch them, we want their beauty to make us feel worthy. Maybe we could call this like the trophy spouse syndrome. Uh, or if we go into a room of people and we, and we choose who we talk to, oftentimes we, we end up going towards the attractive people or the people who we like. And we, we don't zero in on the people who are less comfortable to be around. And so this type of selfish love um, kind of we... we we, we base our worth based upon those around us. Or on the flip side, maybe, maybe we are in a relationship with, with someone or maybe we are attracted to people that um, we think we're better than. And so our worth, our sense of self-worth grows because, because we might pity, pity them. So, or de- uh, demeaning language is another thing. Uh, oftentimes we can get caught up in words that we say to cut others down to size, think of kind of abusive language or self righteous language. See, we get in these these patterns of relationship where we 're not sure what's wrong, things go bad, things go sour, things get tough and challenging and often and the worst parts of it are because there's this imperfect selfish love at play and it hasn't been purified or think about addictions our addictions are, are there, they're habits uh, and they come up because we are wrapped up deeply in fulfilling our desires it's this selfish kind of love or, or grabbing and taking uh, sometimes we, we grab at things and we take them and we don't even realize that there's other people around us watching so we get this gut feeling and it's like, um, I don't know, it's like if you eat a piece of chocolate cake in front of a homeless person. <laughs> you get this sense like, okay, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have taken that. Maybe I should have, have given it. And, um, or apathy or ignoring. We get too busy in our lives and wrapped up in our own dramas and our own, and our own wants and desires that we forget to see all around us, the people struggling and starving. Um, or how about this? The last word is Resentfulness. This, this kind of other version of selfish love, we have these beautiful responsibilities and these beautiful uh, things that we, we have as honors, like our having a family, doing the dishes. And sometimes we can get resentful about them. And all of these things spring up from a less than pure kind of love. And you, I don't know if you've read Proverbs 6, but uh, you know some of this, we talk about the seven deadly sins, which comes from this. I'll talk about that more next week. Had these impurities of love. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that hurry to run to evil, a lying witness who testifies falsely, and one who sows discord in a family. Talked about all of these things to say, look, there there is a version of, of being in the world that's diluted. It's not love. We might think it's love, but it's not. And we get into these patterns. And I'm showing you all of this. And it hasn't been easy to talk about this. I don't like talking about the, the shadow forms of love and the things that aren't perfect love. But I do so because I want us to be people who are growing, are being transformed in the pure form of selfless love that oftentimes we don't know because we, we don't see around us very much. And uh, it's, it's all around us, the, this, this love is out there, but we see these impure forms as well. And so the, the way that we're getting at this, trying to describe this selfish, in, imperfect love, I've talked about, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how do you know if that's what you're doing? How do you know if it's not the, the perfect form? And you, and you kind of know if you begin using other people to fulfill your own projects. You ask the question, well, how am I using a person to feel, fulfill something in me or fulfill a project that I'm working on? And you ask that hard question, if they were not able to give to me what they can give to me, would I treat them the same? And if the answer is no, then there's a bit of an imperfect love going on. Or if we talked about last week about some imposters. So when I feel attracted to or I'm not attracted to a person that I've committed to, when I've lost attraction, when I've lost a sense of romance, am I going to help them feel safe and secure and seen and soothed, even if they can't give that back to me in return. So the the point is this. The person who loves themselves too much is really incapable of loving anyone well, including themselves. And so that's pretty much all I have to say. Uh, That's pretty much the extent to which I can go to to try to illustrate. There are these imperfect forms of love out there that truly don't make us happy, leave us unfulfilled, and... um, and are, are sort of a, a shadow of the real thing. So let's, let's turn now to, um, to these two guys. Back to these two guys. We're going to turn the corner and begin talking about if, if that's what love isn't. These are the things that love is not. Let's talk now about what it is. And at its heart, love wills the good of another. And we're going we're gonna to work this out. So, love wills the good of another. So you think of, you think of Pharaoh here and Moses. I would say, let's, let's call Pharaoh having a form of imperfect love. He, uh, he began looking at the Israelites and saw them as a threat and said, rather than making them completely free, making them free in this world, I'm going to enslave them to make them fulfill my project. And Moses, who begins to have this epic struggle with Pharaoh, ending up trying to find a way to free his people. And remember when he was still living in in Egypt, there was an experience he had where he went out and he saw a slave master beating on one of his people. And uh, Moses got very angry about this and very upset. And in his impurities, in his inability to give selfless love, he decided that the best thing to do was to take this other person's life. So he takes the life of this, this Egyptian slave driver, buries him in the sand, and then sort of, in, in order not to get caught, runs and flees. So you have two, two guys having a bit of uh, selfish love going on, creating slavery. Now, the point, the, the point is, is that the universe, the un- God, God has made the universe. He's founded the universe on the pattern of selfless love. And the further that we go away from it, the more that we don't participate in selfless love, the, the more that the life will catch up to us. We can't act forever uh, on, in selfish love. So Moses goes out and has this experience with God and comes back in and he realizes not to take force the next time, but to let God do his work. And he brings his people out to meet God on the mountain. And they do all sorts of uh things that are not pleasing to God. And as we've, as we've seen, eventually God says, I'm going to wipe these people out. They're, they're, they, they do not have a heart for me. They, they, they're, they're, they're too impacted by slavery, and we have to start over. And so God says to Moses, I will make your people great. I will preserve you. I'll wipe everyone else out, and we'll start over. And at this time, Moses, because of his encounters with God, And because of his his life lessons, he has learned what selfless love looks like. He says, No. Rather than killing them, why don't you kill me? Take me as a sacrifice. Kill me and let them live. This this is it. Moses is getting it. Finally, selfless love is willing the good of another. Uh, C.S. Lewis says, Love is not an emotion, it's not feelings but it's something of the will. It's that state of the will which we have naturally about ourselves and we must learn to have about other people. Thomas Merton says, oh, I'll I'll save that quote. Um, So we'll start start back here. And we we must learn to have about other people. We joy in the good of the beloved. Um, What perfect love does is it it wants the good of another. It doesn't even ask what rewards we're going to get we are going to get in return. It uh, doesn't stop to think, what am I getting out of this relationship? It doesn't compare like that. Um, it doesn't even seek to the pleasure. Of love. True love actually feels good. It actually has this, this very fulfilling feeling that opens our soul and, and makes our soul wider, whereas selfish love just sort of diminishes our soul and makes it makes it smaller. Um, and there's a good feeling to our soul, soul expanding, but pure love doesn't even seek that feeling it doesn't even ask what I'm going to get out of it. It lets all of those good um, natural follow, follow-throughs of selfless love just happen on its own. Um, and so, so uh, you know, this, this type of love, it can, like, we ask ourselves, okay, you know, and, and I'm, I'm still going, I love this, this perfect love thing is so hard to describe. It's so hard to teach about. I'm, I'm still just figuring it out. But in my, own, in my own life, I've, I've experienced it. I've experienced this, this difference between a love that kind of goes after things and goes after my own self-satisfaction and making sure that I'm preserving myself and I end up diminished and sad and hopeless. Um, whereas I, I, there's a whole completely different feeling that comes with going, you know what? No matter what I get in return, I'm going to give and will the good of another person. And so... Um, it, this cannot be learned. It, can't, it doesn't happen with our intellect. It's only something that can be shaped and formed in us by the living God. And, um, and, and uh, perfect love also has this aspect of truth that goes along with it. Uh, perfect love al- always tells the truth. Uh, and so sometimes we get in relationships and we're, we're a little worried. If I tell the truth to someone, will they love me back? And we get in these little dances of, um, I would rather have the, the intimacy, the feeling of intimacy between a person and I rather than telling them, telling them the truth. And so, uh, you know, uh, there's this dance. And I love, I love Thomas Merton here. He says, um, May God preserve me from the love of a friend who will never dare to rebuke me. And may he preserve me from a friend who seeks to do nothing but change and correct me. You know, perfect love is this. I see you In in relationship, I see you, and I'm not going to force you to become anything that I want you to be. Even if I'm not getting out of you what I need, even if I'm not getting out of you what I want, I'm not going to force you to change. I'm going to accept you as you are, worse than all, and let God do His business, His slow business of transformation. And at the the same time, you know, you you don't. At the same time, that you don't want someone relating to you that's just going to like pick you apart. At the same time, you don't want someone who's just going to leave you wallowing in whatever situation you're in. They're going to tell you the truth. They're going to help you out. Um, And this all all leads us ultimately to this final question of why does God want the world so much to be free? Why does he want us to be free for for this type of selfless love so much? You know, when you come back to this list, you know, think of a room full of people walking into them and and you see beautiful people and not-so-beautiful people and people that are easy to be around and people that are very difficult to be around, God, God wants to shape us into the type of people that walks into this room and is able to go to, into either circle without us needing to find our worth based upon whether who we're with or based, thank God I'm not like that. <laughs> you know, God wants us to have a perfect love that draws the best out of every person that we encounter. And rather than getting in situations where we spew out a demeaning language to each other. God wants us to be in a situation where we use our words to lift each other up and to speak life into each other. He wants our addictions broken so that we can enjoy the beautiful things of this world without them closing us in and making us smaller and diminished. He wants us to be people rather than that grab and take from each other, that learn how to say, I'm going to give myself to you, I'm going to give things to you. Rather than apathy and ignoring the world around us, he wants people to say, even if it's uncomfortable or inconvenient or it makes me feel weird and messy, I'm going to step out into situations that are difficult to look at and be part of the loving encounter that God wants us to have among uh, the hurting world. And rather than being resentful and falling into the ruts of resentfulness in our in our beautiful lives that he's given us, he wants us to be people that, that can... Take deep breaths and find a deep peace within, within our lives. Why does he want us to be free? He wants us so so badly to be free um, from these patterns of selfless love that just put us in chains. So I've said before, and I'll say it again, that you know, this is part of a series. I'm going from uh, over the course of six weeks unpacking this idea of, of selfless love. And the big point so far that I'm hoping that we take away is this. God wants the world to be free And so he calls a people to join him in helping rescue the world. And the only way that's going to be possible is if he works out in us this heart that's characterized by selfless love. And there's lots of imposters and lots of ruts that we can fall into, but the world won't be free. It will just keep on going. in all these bad patterns, all these slave-like patterns until he has a people who are shaped and formed out of that, who he can use to, to rescue the world. So with that in mind, we now turn the attention to how. How does he do it? And the next two weeks are going to be about this. How does God, if he wants the selfless love shaped so much, how does this work? What does it look like? What does it feel like? And, um, you know, there's, uh, there, there's ways that God, God does this, and oftentimes they, they don't feel too good. It doesn't feel too good when God shapes selfless love in us, and we can mistake that for, um, God hating us or God being against us. And so we'll, we'll unpack that in the next couple of weeks as we move to kind of this final passage. There's three slides here of Deuteronomy 10. And we're going we're gonna, to, for the next three weeks, unpack this passage, which basically says it all when it comes to, to love. So now, and I'll, I'll just read it for us today. So now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Only to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his decrees that I am commanding you today for your own well-being. And we see that Moses is beginning to unpack this for us. He wants to serve the Lord. We don't, he doesn't want us to use the God to help us feel safe, secure, seen, and soothed, even though God does those things at the end. See, all of this, all of this following of the Lord um, and not using him but learning to love him is for your own well-being. And Moses goes on, Although heaven and the heaven of heavens belong to the Lord your God, the earth, with all that is in it, and he's unpacking God's character here, yet the Lord set his heart in love on your ancestors alone and chose you, their descendants, after them out of all the peoples as it is today. Circumcise then the foreskin of your hearts and do not be stubborn any longer. For the Lord your God is a God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribe, who executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and who loves the strangers, providing them food and clothing. And you see how this character, this God who loves strangers, providing them with food and the clothing, clothing, turns into the next verse. You shall also love the stranger. For you are strangers in the land of Egypt, you shall fear the Lord your God. Him alone you shall worship. And again, Moses, his whole worldview, his, and, and Jesus's, because he takes up this major story upon, has to do with freedom from Egypt. If we want to talk about love, we have to think it through in terms of rescuing from slavery. You shall fear the Lord your God. Him alone you shall worship. To him you shall hold fast, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things that your own eyes have seen. Your ancestors went down to Egypt. There's only seventy of them, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the heavens. And the beautiful thing, the beautiful thing, brothers and sisters, is that we're here not just because this makes us all feel good. We're here because we are we are as well like these like these uh, hearers of this speech. We are part of the story. We are part of the people who God says, even though there may be a few of them, I shall make them as numerous as stars. He, we are the type of people, We not the type of people, we are the people that God looks upon and says, I am going to form you day by day, experience by experience, um, heartache by heartache, joy by joy, into the form of my selfless love. I am shaping you. and And, um, and this type of selfless love, even though it doesn't, even though it doesn't, uh, seek a reward it doesn't seek to be sitting at the banquet table engorging ourselves on the, the banquet it seeks to be the one who's serving and seeking to be uh, de- delighting um, in, in the, the good of the other it becomes for us this thing that widens us and opens us and it's the only thing the only thing that can make us truly happy so as we go go about again the action points are are, are this today the first, the, where do we start in all of this? We have to start by realizing that maybe a lot of the love that we give is just a delusion. We have to be willing to say that, you know what? I, I oftentimes do end up in ruts of imperfect love. And just begin to recognize it. And that's the thing. Here's what I've learned about this process. When you recognize that you give selfish love or have been giving selfish love or been in a rut, you, can't, you don't beat yourself up you don't force yourself to find your way out of it you just recognize it and this is why journaling is so important you journal ah oh, today man here, here's how I here, here's how I failed to give selfless, uh, selfless love or wow I, I, I did this thing and there was no, no return involved and wow that widened my, my spirit to keep a record of these things is one of the best things you can do As C.S. Lewis says if you don't like someone and you want to like them, or if you, even if you don't want to like them, God still says that you should love them. And sometimes it's just a behavioral thing. Act as if you love somebody. There's a song about that, right? Act as if you love someone. And then the final thing is just learning to receive it, because selfless love is not perfected until it's received perfectly. And so we can't even begin to learn how to give love until we learn how to receive it from God and from each other. So the kind of fuzzy action points today, but uh, we'll, we'll zero in a bit more on the connection between journaling and the formation of love because God is doing this every day, in and out, uh, rain or shine. He's, he's uh, working on us and, and, sh- and shaping us. And as we turn our attention to this table today that we come to every week, we remember... That Jesus' last feast, his last setting of the table, was gathering his disciples together, gathering his followers together, the people that were going to carry on his work. And so he, he set a feast on the table of bread and, and wine. And on the night that he gave himself up for us, showing us what perfect love looked like, he brought out a piece of bread and some wine and he broke the bread in front of his disciples, and said, Take and receive this. This is my body, which is going to be broken for you. I'm not asking anything in return. I'm going to be giving myself completely for you. And so he takes his broken bread and puts it down. And he says, Take this cup and drink from it, for it's my blood of the everlasting covenant. This is love language, the everlasting promise that no matter who you are or what you've done, you can become part of my people, and I will set you free from whatever slavery has enslaved you. So he says, remember this every time you gather. Every time you gather, break some bread, dip it in what's here juice, and um, take me in. Because you can't make yourself full of selfless love. Only I can do that. I, and I'm going to do it. So take, take it in as a symbol of taking me in. And remember the, the last thing he did um, at this meal, at this banquet that he set for his followers, was he went around with a bowl of water and a towel. And he took the towel and washed all of their feet off as a symbol of saying, if you want to know what true love looks like, it looks like, me with a bowl of water and a towel wiping off your feet. Go, therefore, and be servants of all. And he's opening up for us this possibility, this great possibility that we ourselves might take on the role of the servant and learn to show the world this selfless, perfect love. So the table is set once again, friends. Everyone here is invited.